Welcome to the Center for International and Regional Studies at Georgetown University in Qatar. These podcasts are part of a research initiative titled Building a Legacy, Qatar FIFA World Cup 2022. Hello, this is Professor Daniel Reich, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome David Harding to our podcast on the World Cup 2022. Uh, David is an international editor with The Independent, but the main reason we want to talk with him today is because he served uh, as a bureau chief of the AFP International News Agency in Doha from 2015 to 2019. Thank you, David, for joining us today. It's a great pleasure. It's nice nice to uh, virtually meet you, Daniel. David, uh, please uh, correct or confirm my observation, but when I read articles about Qatar, my impression is that many of the articles in the international media are written by journalists that are not based in Qatar. Is this correct? Uh, that is absolutely correct. Yeah, there's, there's not many journalists writing internationally uh, about uh, Qatar who are actually based in Doha. Um, uh, there was, or there are three international agencies uh, there at the moment, three or four. Uh, the rest, uh, people who might fly in, see Qatar for, for a few days and then fly back out or uh, will be writing from various places around the world, but not Doha. Yes. And so uh, when you were working in Doha from 2015 to 2019, so, um, as the image of uh, Qatari media environment internationally is that uh, there is some form of censorship. So in the 2020 World Press Freedom Index, Qatar was uh, only ranked at 129 out of 180 countries, even going down one rank compared to the previous year. Okay, now we could say Saudi Arabia is only 170, so that's great. But there are other countries in the region that are ranked much better, like Lebanon 102 or Israel 88. So how did, did you experience uh, any form of like restrictions in your work? How was your personal experience about uh, reporting from Qatar, about Qatar, and of course also about the upcoming World Cup 2022? That's, that's, a, that's a very broad question, Danielle. I, I, I'll try and give not too long an answer. I mean, there was, uh, when I first arrived in Qatar, I didn't really know how I would be received or how I would be able to report on things. Um, and there were some things that were uh, surprises. So for example, I, I didn't think it would be so easy to approach uh, workers uh, if you were doing a story on labor uh, issues. That, that was very easy. As you know, anybody who's in Doha, you will see people in blue or uh, orange uniforms all, all around uh, the city, all around the country. So that kind of thing w was easy in, in some respects to do. Um, uh, in, in other respects, it was uh, restrictive because there's no sort of channels for knowing what's going on or anybody confirming anything that is going on as is in the practice in, in other countries um, you tend to have to apply for government permission to be able to visit anywhere or if you try and do it uh, without that you could get into lots of trouble which we've seen with other people um, the issues such as, say, for example, court reporting, not, not to do with the World Cup, not to do with the big issues. Uh, so court reporting tends to go under the radar 
uh, because you have no idea or no access to information about what's really going on. And, and in my time, there were several big news stories that would have come out of the courts. Um, I was once sort of vaguely threatened in a court when I went to do a story, uh, basically saying if I reported this wrong, then I faced uh, being put in jail myself. Um, I didn't know if that was bluster on the part of the official at the time rather than anything that was too serious. Uh, there were other restrictions, you sort of have a general restriction because you don't have access, if that makes sense. There's no way you can sort of contact people to confirm or not confirm stories, uh, and which ultimately means you cannot do the story if, in terms of the organisation I was working for, you need an accredited source to say something has happened. Uh, so that really would stop you being able to do stories. D does that make sense? For Yes, um, but I, I assume that for your uh, work, it was also important to get information from local media, from Al Jazeera, from Qatari newspapers. So what's your view on, on uh, local media? Uh, Al Jazeera less so. Um, they don't cover Qatar or hadn't until 2017 and the blockade covered Qatar as much as others did. Local newspapers and local journalists, yes, much more. Um, you will see stories uh, appearing in the press that then you can follow up as an international news agency, uh, as, as I worked for, or journalists will tell you, or if you go to press conferences, obviously you speak to other journalists and they were local journalists working for various papers within Doha who will tell you things. But the local journalists, many of them are non-Qataris like you were as well, right? Yes, there, there, there are a lot of non-Qataris. So, you know, for example, on the English language dailies, which there are three major ones in, in Doha, most of those uh, journalists uh, tend to be from India. Uh, there also, for the Arabic language newspapers, you have journalists who were from predominantly, it seemed to be Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria. So since we have people listening to us from all over the world. Could you tell us a bit more about the uh, daily English newspapers in Qatar? Uh, they, the, the, the sort of three main ones that, uh, that, uh, that are there, there's Gulf Times, Peninsula and Qatar Tribune. Um, they are all sort of papers of record. Um, they will report things, they will report things how, uh, without being too harsh, they will be sent uh, official press releases and, and they will be just placed in the paper. So they, they, they're sort of a paper of record um, rather than sort of any investigative or any uh, digging journalism going on. But they still provide a very good uh, channel for, for knowing what is actually happening in Doha. And the other, the other institution that was around in my time, which has now come back after going, was the website Doha News. Um, yeah. And now this was, a, this was a real sort of a line in the sand, I think, for media coverage locally. It was, um, in some respects, it did some astonishing work. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I always think of a piece it did on an anonymous piece it did on a Qatari writing that he was gay um, uh, and really everybody he spoke to at the time who was in, Do in Doha would refer to that piece and, and how brave it was. Um, it did 
the kind of journalism that I would imagine that people who are listening from the West would would uh, be more uh, knowledgeable of. It would just do stories that were stories that it wanted to chase rather than it would be seen as doing the right thing. It would do good local stories. It would dig, it would ask questions. Um, it, it was a very, very good website. Um, and it's now returned after a sort of hiatus for a couple of years and some confusion over what it's done. I haven't seen, I have to be honest, too much of the latest news, but the, what I have seen, it does seem to be going slightly back towards uh, how it was in around 2015, 2016. Yeah, no, I'm reading it on a daily basis and I think they're doing really well. Um, so, uh, David, uh, uh, AFP, they have uh, uh, offices in most but not all countries in the world. Yes. Since, since when did they have an office in Qatar and is this related to the World Cup? Uh, second question first, yes. First question, January 2015. Okay, so uh, a full say... permanent office, and, and that's when I joined. I came over. Yeah. So, uh, which role did the World Cup uh, play in your like uh, work? I, I assume that a significant uh, um, portion of your articles uh, were on the World Cup and the preparations to it. Uh, yes, entirely. Uh, I mean, it, it it brought the country to international prominence. Um, without the World Cup, if I'm being perfectly honest, I, would, would we have set up a uh, a bureau there? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, so. The world. Sorry. No. So I mean, the 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 the, the big question always is uh, to what extent does does the World Cup change Qatar? So now we learn from you that uh, AFP opened an office uh, because of the international attention uh, Qatar got uh, because of uh, hosting the World Cup. Do you think that the World Cup might lead to a liberalization of the Qatari media environment? Uh, that's a tough question. I, I, I think it probably will. I would say there were two, or, or lead to some, some limited liberalization. I think possibly though that the blockade of 2017 would have had a stronger effect than as the, the World Cup. Much of the coverage of the World Cup, uh, um, particularly the critical aspect of it, is always outside Qatar. It's coming from outside Qatar. It's coming from various countries in the West uh, and other places. Uh, but it's mostly coming, as you said, right at the beginning from reporters who might come in or maybe writing from outside. I think, I think the effect on the media uh, and any potential liberalization, the stronger effect would be the 2017 blockade. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I, I, I think one of the reasons for that is because Qatar, after the blockade came down on June the 5th, I, I think there was a sense of shock uh, for anybody in the country, uh, a sense of fear of what was going to happen and slight panic. Uh, at least for the first few hours, and then everything reverted to normal. Uh, but uh, the, the Qatari response was interesting, the, Qatar, the official Qatari government response. At first, it, it didn't say anything, and then when it did, it was very cautious. Uh, it chose an, uh, an approach that was uh, not belligerent or provocative. It chose an approach that said, we're looking for, for a way out of this, but also 
um, at the same time, this blockade is causing us harm. It's, it's hurting us. And one of the ways it said it was hurting Qatar was in the field of human rights. Locals were having to leave their studies. Families were being torn apart because of the close links between those in the Gulf. Uh, and so Qatar pushed human rights to the forefront. And so once it does that, it has to respond itself internally. And so it has to then give freedoms or attempt or be seen to give freedoms uh, at the same time if it's critical of other countries around it for denying it freedoms. Mm -hmm. So um, now you're working for a British newspaper. So the perception of many of my students uh, is that uh, the British newspapers uh, are very harsh and uh, sometimes uh, unfair when reporting about the World Cup. And the reason that is uh, often given in discussions is that is because um, the UK, uh, England lost the bid for the 2022 uh, World Cup. So uh, what's your take on the matter? Are the British media harsher than uh, uh, newspapers from other countries uh, on Qatar? And particularly on issues related to the World Cup? Um, I think some countries stand out that also are harsh. Uh, Australia, uh, Denmark, bizarrely, has been uh, sort of a, a big uh, cr a critical source uh, against the Qataris uh, and the World Cup. Uh, it's undeniable that some of the reports in Britain Uh, have been harsh and have been unfair, undeniably. I think the reporting of Qatar 2022 in Britain specifically is very black and white. It's uh, very two-dimensional. It's good, it's bad, it's, and it's mostly bad when it comes to that. It's, it's far less of the nuanced picture that everybody will recognize who spent any time in Qatar who can see the transformation, but also can see some of the things that are being attempted. Only this week, you've, you've seen it with the, the Emir's speech, the Shura Council. Uh, there, there are things that are happening that happen below the radar uh, for those in the West. And it's just seen through the prism of being uh, a state which treats workers horrendously. Um, and nothing much more. And then you have criticisms such as it not having football history, uh, which I know is has been countered by some people within Qatar in the last uh, sort of six months to a year, uh, books and uh, uh, conferences and that kind of thing. So th there is there is a harshness and there is an unfairness to some of the reporting. Yes, I think some of the criticism has been valid, and I think some in Qatar didn't realise how much. Uh, scrutiny they would be put under by winning the World Cup. Once the euphoria of that is, has diminished, I think uh, some people thought that there wouldn't be any more uh, scrutiny after a while, but it's going to carry on right up until the first ball was kicked. As for the theory that um, Britain didn't get the World Cup, so that's why um, Uh, they're very angry. I think, bizarrely, of course, Britain didn't lose, or England didn't lose their World Cup bid to Qatar. They lost it to Russia. If you remember, in 2010, there were two bids at once, mm -hmm. uh, which will never be done again. So uh, there is, though, some semblance in that theory that there is a degree that there was resentment and annoyance that England, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, Daniel, that, that, that England didn't get their World Cup bid. Um, But I think they would have felt that annoyance, some people would have felt that annoyance 
regardless whoever the country was if it was Argentina if it was Indonesia if it was Australia or Denmark who got the World Cup um, but the, the, that, that fear that feeling was definitely there yes so let's talk at the very end about your uh, uh, current uh, newspaper as an independent. Um, so uh, something that's quite interesting is the fact that uh, 30% of the newspaper are owned by a Saudi investor. Now this year there was a, a big issue in the Premier League when uh, uh, Saudi Arabia tried to take over Newcastle United. And I noticed that one colleague of yours, uh, Miguel Delaney, uh, wrote quite critical uh, uh, articles uh, in the yes. Independent about this uh, potential Saudi takeover. Uh, so how, um, how does this influence your work as an international editor that 30% of the newspaper are owned by a Saudi investor? And how were like the discussions uh, amongst the journalists about this and the issue of the uh, potential new party takeover and the critical reporting in the newspaper about it? Uh, I can honestly say it doesn't affect it at all. If there's a story that we want to do, um, uh, excuse me, if there's a story that we want to do about Saudi Arabia, uh, we do it. Mm -hmm. It really is that simple. If it's justified, excuse me, my throat, my throat is, my apologies. Uh, if the, the story is justified, it's done. Um, absolutely uh, no problem with that. Uh, we have to make sure that it's right, but that's what you should be doing anyway. Uh, yes. You refer to the Newcastle uh, story. I, uh, um, Miguel Delaney's stuff, I think, was fantastic. That was actually before my time. I, I, I joined just a few months ago, so this was happening just before I joined. Mm -hmm. But he was a guy really to read on this in Britain. Um, and his pieces weren't just news, they were opinion pieces as well, saying why he thought it would be bad for uh, English football um, from, a, from a certain standpoint. So it, I thought they were great pieces and showed that you, you, know, you can flourish and you can write things uh, that need to be there. And they, there certainly wasn't uh, any issue, uh, as far as I know, on him being stopped from doing anything like that, because of course all the pieces came out. And as far as my time, uh, there has never been anything. And we've written things that have been critical uh, of Saudi Arabia, particularly with regards to uh, women's rights. Mm -hmm. So my, my last question is, uh, David, as an independent, is uh, an online newspaper only since 2016. Correct, so yes. Stopped to, to sell as a, a print a newspaper. Do you think that the Independent is a, a, a pioneer and uh, uh, most newspapers will stop printing in the future and can learn from the experience of the Independent? Um, I think it's a pioneer in the way that it, it, it decided to say no, uh, no newspaper. It was just internet. You've obviously got big titles, for example, in the UK, which have have uh, split the decision that they've uh, basically said we will do internet, which have become even more uh, profound than the newspaper, uh, uh, but kept the newspaper going. I think it depends on you know, how, how far ahead we go. I, uh, for, you know, I, for someone who's middle-aged like myself, newspapers have always been a thing, but for younger people, not necessarily. I, I, I think there will, there will be newspapers that hang on in the UK, but mostly become sort of pseudo magazines. 
in the, in the extent in the to the extent that they, they would publish big editions on Saturday and on Sunday, which has culturally been a big thing in Britain. You, you get the paper, you take it home, you read it all day. Uh, day to, daily newspapers, I don't know. I mean, for example, we're talking during the hiatus of the uh, the US presidential election. You're not going to get your news on what's happening latest on a US presidential election tomorrow. Or most people aren't uh, because it's happening hour by hour generally and you're going to pick it up online so I, I i wish i had a crystal ball and could tell you what's going to happen i think uh, the newspaper industry obviously will still diminish it will lose titles um i hope some titles remain uh to give a, a semblance of balance particularly i think it's a massive problem for the west uh particularly at the moment you, you'll see uh, newspapers of a particular political uh, variety dominating, and I think it's very, very dangerous for the West. Um, so I hope some titles still uh, remain. I think others will copy the independent, though. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to following what independent is writing about um, Qatar and the Gulf crisis and the World Cup 2022. Thank you, David, for this uh, fascinating insights uh, into your work in Qatar and uh, all the best to you for the future. It's been a great pleasure uh, and, and any time, Daniel, any time. Thank you very much for asking me.